0: This week on Cane and Rinse, we lay down a marker of our own and attempt to strategically dismember EA's Dead Space series. Beyond vivisecting the two core games in a franchise, we'll also take a furtive peek at the myriad multimedia spin-offs and even perhaps take a shot in the dark as to what nightmares the inevitable sequel might plunge poor, tortured Isaac Clarke into next. How many unitologists does it take to change a light bulb? How much money does the light bulb have? Please note. Spoilers! With me, Leon Cox, this week... We have Jay Taylor. Howdy. We also have Darren Foreman. Howdy, Amigos. And standing in for Carl Moon at the very last minute, due to technical issues, we have, once again, Josh Garrity. Hello. Who helped me win the Game Burst quiz this week. That (laughs) might be a spoiler, but probably not by the time you've heard this. So, uh, well played, Josh. Now, Dead Space. Um, Started development not a lot of people know this, as an Xbox One title all the way back in 2005. Um, it was under the, uh, the studio EA Redwood Shores, as they were known back then. Um, and they were known for various James Bond, Lord of the Rings, Godfather, uh, and so on, licensed titles like that. Uh, Glenn A. Schofield, who's now gone on to Sledgehammer, was the uh, creator and executive producer. And it was released in October 2008, on the same day, I recall, as Fable 2 and Far Cry 2. Uh, one of those did a lot better than the other commercially. Um, and it was around the time of Gears of War 2, Fallout 3, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I'm sure most gamers will remember the, the quarter four of 2008, both fondly and with horror. Um it was known at the time, or it was sort of stated at the time that it hadn't done very well, but EA uh, say that as of August last year, um, it had sold to some 2 million copies, so not exactly a terrible flop. Um, for me, I bought this on release day, along with Far Cry 2, um, Fable 2 had to wait a few days, uh, and... I actually sunk a lot more time into Far Cry 2, but I did play the first few hours on the first night and uh, went back to it to and fro over the next few months before ultimately completing it something like next June, uh, which is a bit of a slow effort for what isn't a a particularly massive game. So, uh, right. Who else was there day one? I was. uh... Josh, you were there day one. You've been looking forward to this.
1: Well, I, I I wasn't looking forward to it because um, I don't know if you saw the trailers up to its release. It kind of looked like a very generic kind of horror sci-fi, and the fact that it was done by EA made me mm. think it was just like going to be like this really cheap cash-in type game. Um, it wasn't until reviews started coming out really positive reviews uh, started coming out that suddenly I got more interested and people were comparing it to the likes of um, Bioshock and films like Alien and Event Horizon that suddenly I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should check this out. So um, I bought it day one and was pleasantly surprised. I, I think it's a fantastic game.
2: Darren, J. I actually came to this game a little bit later than uh, some people just because... I ended up buying it off the back of so much positive opinion on it. Like, there was very few few people that didn't seem to class it as a really... Basically, I think it was getting buried at the time, alongside some of other uh, high-profile releases. Mm. And it wasn't on my radar. And then just through word of mouth, I got interested, bought it, and it was really quite a nice surprise.
0: Yeah, Jay, when did you pick it up? Straight away? Um,
2: no, later? but I'm...
3: I, actually, I can't remember, but I think it was within a week or two of it actually coming out. Mm. Um, but there was two things. I mean, I'm similar in many ways to to what Josh was saying. All the preview stuff did nothing whatsoever for me. Um, the trailers mm. they were just they're very sort of jump cut, shock horror, screaming, all that kind of stuff, and and they kind of irritated me on one level because you didn't really see a lot. You just it was a lot of jump scare stuff. Mm. And all the magazines were it. all the stills in the magazines, such as edge and, and games and so on. Didn't, didn't sell the game at all to me because it, it doesn't look very good when you, when you look at it as a still image and you saw the Necromorphs, mm. it just looked kind of messy. And I thought, that, nah, whatever, you know, there were two things that were instrumental, which one was the digital comic, which on an impulse, because it was free to download in, in the various uh, installs, uh, which various parts that were available on Xbox Live at the time. I sat and w- I waited till they were all there and then I watched them. Continue. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, and really kind of liked what they'd done with it and, and liked the effort that it seemed to have gone into the story. And then there was the demo, and the demo was the thing that made me say, right, I'm playing this game because it was. Damn. You know, it was literally the whole. It was, it seemed to, if memory serves. Now, it was quite a long demo. It's maybe about the first forty-five minutes of gameplay of the actual mm. campaign, wasn't it? Where you start off right at the very beginning and works through. But it was that 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 sold it. The lighting, the audio, the way that it just the atmosphere within that demo sold me the game like hands down. With that, you know, after the first time playing it, I
0: thought, right, okay, I've got to play this, and and. That that was that. It kind of, um, I mean, it is derivative, as Josh has already mentioned Alien and Event Horizon and Sunshine is obviously a big influence as well. But I suppose one of the things that does make it slightly different from just a monster closet game, which is, you know, what it is to a point, um, it does have this seemingly fairly well thought out backstory regarding this corrupt religion Mm. and. Uh, the planet crackers and the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the whole history of the earth is kind of mapped out and then people's motivations and mm. greed come into it. So it, it does seem to be slightly more, and there's the personal element of the fact that the character you play, uh, his conveniently or inconveniently, his, uh, his girlfriend works on the ship that uh, has gone black that you need to go and, gone dark, I should say, and that you need to go and investigate and all repair. Um, I think the yeah, the thing about it, it, it's interesting that you should say that screenshots didn't do it a lot of justice because technically and mechanically, it's kind of both games are pretty much impeccable, aren't yeah. they? Uh, like yeah. when, when you're actually in them, there's just, they're just so slick, both of them in, in every sense, controls are just excellent. And, you know, there's never an issue with, you know, tearing or frame rate or anything no. like that, to, to my knowledge. And and uh, and when you're actually in those environments, the the oppression is 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 real um, and affecting. Um, Darren, I know we've spoken before, so I can bring this in now. You're one of these weird people who doesn't get scared by games, aren't you?
2: Uh, pretty much. It's quite real that I even jump at skills So, yeah, feeling any kind See, of constant dread just never really enters the equation.
0: See, that seems weird to me, because without that, um, to me, this would be a lot less of an experience, yet you're a big fan of these games.
2: It's all down to the action, generally. I mean, the atmosphere is also really good, you know. Even though I don't find it particularly scary, it's well done, you know. It does feel like Mm. you're on this abandoned vessel, just walking around, exploring, trying not to get killed, and hopefully get out alive. Which is always a good time, you know.
0: It's, it's probably you know it's probably testament to the quality of the game that even somebody who doesn't necessarily fall for all the the cheap scares, you know, some of them are less cheap than others. Um, I'm somebody I, I you know I can play through them. I'm not somebody that has to turn it off or turn the lights on and, and whatever. But I do have a have a constant sense of anxiety. And hmm. um, and jumps do make me jump, even sometimes when I know they're coming. Which is always like, a, oh, you bastards, you got me! I've, I was playing Dead Space Two this afternoon uh, as research. What a tough job that was! Um, and uh, there was exactly one point where you know it's been like nine months since I played it through, and there was a corridor, and I thought, right, well, I know there's going to be something coming out of here, and uh, and yet it's still, it's still got me. Um, obviously, the audio is a huge part, and the audio is excellent throughout. Um, Josh uh, are you somebody who gets affected by the atmosphere of a scary game or the the jumps or are you are you just a, a total hard man just uh, non-stop testosterone machine like Darren here
1: No I'm I'm com- the complete opposite of Darren I'm a Excellent. pussycat. cat um, Excellent I I really got sucked into the atmosphere with this game um and it wasn't just the jump scares that got me it's I think Dead Space, and I think it does it better than Dead Space 2, in fact, which we'll get go on to, um, mm. is just creating an atmosphere of danger no matter where you are. There's no break in the tension. There's no feeling that you're ever safe. It's just constantly there could yeah. be something watching me in the air ducts or underneath me or anywhere. Anything could happen.
0: There are there aren't safe rooms in a Resident Evil style because even in certain safe rooms rooms with uh, benches in or or uh, shops or whatever you can still get well they lull you, you
3: into that false sense of security with that because for about the first yeah. half of the game it is a safe room like you never en- encounter anything in those areas until about halfway and then all of a sudden you go back in there thinking you're safe and one of them comes through the vent which is just or oh, it's waiting in there when you get there. And it's just yeah, it's yeah. that then sense of complete dread through the rest of the game. You know, it's never quite sure what to expect. It the the thing that sort of that always works for me with that is is that is the audio. It, it it's it, it's the same as any soundtrack. You know, if you take away the effects that they've, it, it's that that sells that sense of of ante- I'll say sense of dread, but that suspense all the time is never knowing. Where stuff's going to come out is is they'll they'll just throw in like scuttling and, and stuff to keep you on your toes all the time
0: with the audio, which I absolutely love. That in these games, there are a few little tricks, aren't there? And uh, for instance, there are certain um, audio cues which are absolutely you know that they they are actually there to tell you that monsters are in the area. There's a sort of orchestra stab or a or a scrape of yeah. violin strings or something, but. Um, other times they'll use, you know, the clanking of doors or, mm. or a machine pounding or something like that to just give you that general sense. But it is one of those things. Same with horror films. If you play it through multiple yeah. times, you'll know that some of them are false, false scares just designed to to keep you on edge. But um, and I suppose inevitably its effects will diminish as you play through multiple times. Jay, mm. uh, you, in fact, I know you have played through at least the first game many times. Um, <clears throat> did you find that? It became more routine by the, you know, the umpteenth
3: playthrough. Well, it does and it doesn't. I mean, again, it's testament to how good these games are. that I I can literally play them as many times one after the other. You know, I'd never get bored of just soaking in the work that's gone into, you know, whether it's the Ishimura or whether it's the Sprawl. You know, I just, I, I really do get immersed in that atmosphere. The, the only thing is I don't feel threatened by anything because I've got these super powered up weapons and stuff, you know, because I've played through so many times. New Game Plus.
1: Well, uh, yeah, within yeah. the
3: first one, I, you know, you just keep going through the same save and, and upload because mm-hmm. it carries over, doesn't it, if you keep it on the same difficulty. So everything I'm, I use on the saves that I've got is fully maxed. So, you know, and it's it, it's a bit of a shooting gallery, but it's still I still enjoy doing it. Yes, yeah,
0: it's, it's satisfying. It's uh, it's visceral, as in the name of de- the the developer. Um, and perhaps Darren's the best person to ask, as somebody who perhaps gets the least uh, scared by it, um, and 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 who is an expert on sort of gameplay systems and stuff. What is it that's so good about the gameplay that makes this so much worth playing for you, even without the sort of ghost train effect?
2: You can shoot and you can move. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I was going to say, there, there, there's more to it. It's, it's
2: incredibly responsive, isn't it? And- there is a lot more to it. I mean, the f- general feel of it is incredibly well done. And to be honest, the, the simple twist of dismembering necromorphs in order to g- yeah. kill them faster, that's really, really clever. It forces mm. you, to, even if you're being swarmed by enemies, it forces you to target the weak points. And it, mm. like a lot of our games do that in bosses, but very few of them will do it on an actual bog-standard enemy. And the fact that it carries across the entire Enmer roster. yeah, you know, it just it, on a moment to moment basis, it feels really good. Mm-hmm.
0: You also have a you have a melee attack and a stomp, um, and there's a selection of what eight or nine weapons, something like that, mm-hmm. in in total. Uh, and you really have to decide which one or ones you're going to uh, allocate your nodes to your the the there's a uh as i'm sure people will know there's a an, an upgrade system which uh these nodes go across the three areas of your suit which covers armor and uh stasis time and air uh you've got your uh what's the other oh no st- uh, sorry stasis is separate isn't it um mm. and then yeah and then you've got guns and um there's an achievement in the first game for playing through entirely with the first weapon you get which of course is another thing that's worth saying is all bar one of the implements of death in this game are not technically weapons, or they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be mining tools. That was one of the sort of things they went big on in the early publicity of this game was the idea that uh, apart from the pulse rifle, which is a military piece or a police weapon, you can find an upgrade. Everything else is uh, 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 are tools that Isaac would use or other people would use in the upkeep the maintenance of a spaceship.
1: I do think the first weapon you get is possibly one of the best weapons in any game I've played. The plasma uh, pistol, not pistol, plasma cutter. Cutter, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so useful. It never stops being useful from the, uh, from the start of the game to the end of the game, just because you have that ability to swivel it round so it can uh, change the direction of the beam you're firing, so you can yeah. make really precise cuts uh, of the fire enemy. Is-
0: Altfire is, um, like, I haven't explored as many of the weapons as I'm sure Darren and Jay have, but mm. I, I used the plasma cutter all the way through the first game and the second game, and, uh, and I've only dabbled with the others. So I'm probably missing out on some great experiences, but the plasma cutter's just, by the time you've got it fully powered up, it's just so much damn fun to use. It's so precise.
3: Yeah. I mean, I tended to have my plasma cutter on fire all the time anyway because I just found that that, um, that horizontal cut, would just take their legs away straight away. So as soon as they appear, you can slow them down immediately by just cutting off their legs. Not everyone's got legs, though. No, but it, yeah, but you know, for the <laughs> most part, it was uh, it was highly effective against the standard.
0: If you've got one of the ones with the tentacles on their back on the ceiling, yeah, uh, yeah. or oh, sorry, on the wall, you you'll be wanting to switch to the alternate fire method. Um, so tell me about and the listeners about some of the other weapons. Um, the says the, the Line Cutter and the Flamethrower, which is incredibly powerful in uh, Dead Space Extraction, the, the on-rails shooter spin-off. Uh, but it never seemed like it was going to be that useful to me. And there's various others. Um, the Mine Planter thing, is yeah. it only in the second one? I forget. Tell me. Yeah, it, it, I, see, I, I wasn't a fan. I,
3: I wasn't a fan of a lot of the other weapons. I'd use them. Um, they got powered up. But I'd, it, I would have... It's really a choice between two weapons. Which is one is the um, obviously the plasma cutter. That's when I'm playing serious. When I want to just mess around, I go for the pulse rifle, because the pulse rifle oh, has okay. by far what I think is the coolest alt fire mode in the first game, at least. It's a room clearer, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, it is a real, real room clearer
0: job. But it's uh,
2: I'm surprised that nobody's actually mentioned the, the rubber yet. They got quite a lot of fun Ripper, out of yeah. that one.
0: Yeah, I did use that a bit uh, in the sequel. So, I mean, effectively, thats it's not so different to the plasma cutter, is it? Oh, hang on. No, I'm thinking of the line uh, the line gun. That's not so different to the plasma cutter. Mm. Uh, the ripper is the sort of spinning saw blade yeah. one, is that
2: right? Basically a short-range chainsaw, which you can also fire off, if I recall correctly.
0: Yeah, and that's it's effective. Uh, like, for those of you who have played it through multiple times mm. in, in e- either game, is it entirely feasible to play through the game with any one of the weapons if used well if deployed yeah. effectively i'd say so yeah yeah see that's that to me that to me indicates a, a level of attention to detail in the design like nothing's in there just for the sheer fun of it i i guess you could argue that it's a flaw that it takes umpteen playthroughs to actually see all mm. these things at their best but then you could also argue that that's a positive in yeah. that it uh, there, gives you replay. Apparently.
3: There's another thing with this as well, is because because you you have effectively like a dual wielding system in there as well, don't you? Because on one hand you've got your stasis and your telekinesis abilities. Telekinesis is uh, yeah, definitely worth talking about. Cuz it, it's strange that it only occurred to me today um, I was playing Skyrim as as we all or most of us are <laughs> at the moment and it, it just it dawned on me that it actually dead space feels quite similar in some regard because I'm, I'm using Mm. magic on one hand and a weapon in the other. And it sort of, yeah, it thought I didn't, I never once made that connection until now where I thought, okay, it's, it's it's actually a very similar mechanic. I'm using stasis to slow them down and then shooting them up whilst they're sort of immobilized.
2: I would pay a lot of money for the plasma cutter in Skyrim. (laughs) Uh,
0: Maybe, uh, maybe it's buried in there somewhere. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, but enough. So that we can't have Skyrim on this show. Um, Stasis is introduced very early in the first game. Uh, to you can use it, it in environmentally and for certain puzzles, um, but it very quickly becomes useful in extremely useful in crowd management. Now tele, uh, telekinesis. Um, uh, does anyone use it regularly as a weapon? I know, particularly in the sequel, you're kind of very much encouraged to pick up these uh, prongs, spikes, mm-hmm. thorns, whatever they are, and save ammo by using them to pin things to walls. Uh, but I tend to just stick with the standard weapons. Am I, Again, am I missing out here?
2: In the first game, there were only really a few areas where picking things up and using them as weapons mm-hmm. was really feasible. I mean, I yeah. suppose that if you were really good and dedicated you could probably use it a lot more than i did but generally it's just a lot easier to lop their legs off and then you know mm. just finish them with a few well-placed plasma cutter bolts
1: i just didn't think i had enough time to react the way the enemies came towards you it's just like oh shit they're there and i just automatically yeah. shoot them i don't think oh look there's a like um an explosive uh barrel over there or some spiky thing that i can use i just i can't think that uh methodically when there's a big scary monster in my face so um i i rarely used it
3: yeah i was i I wasn't a fan of it in the and i think in in the sequel that's there's the reason why they gave you the you know all the spikes lying around was to sort of Bring that more into the gameplay, um, because in the first game, there really isn't, like, as Josh said, you know, when, when something's running towards you, you're not gonna try and grab that, um, that fuel canister to launch it at it. It was just far quicker, yeah. It was just far quicker <laughs> just to sort of like, I mean, the stasis worked really well. I used the stasis all the time during right as soon yeah. as that became unlocked, it, it was a regular thing, and especially if there was like several of them coming after you because you could target you know, one or two of them and and try and get them in their stasis
0: field and then concentrate on the one that's left kind of thing. You know, you could just keep... The other thing they did bring into the sequel is the sort of stasis canisters, if you will, which Mm. uh, are obviously there in certain places designed for you to pick up and fling at groups of enemies. Um, I particularly remember the the school play, as it were, uh, where uh, as you trigger that sequence, which is um, quite full-on, uh, set of attackers of varying types from sort of three or four angles. Uh, you're you're given one of these stasis canisters right behind you, which can be a real lifesaver. Uh, but again, once you're out of that situation, you tend to just go back to, or I tend to just go back to using the mm. the plasma cutter again. So let's talk a little about the story of the first game. How did it? How did it work for everyone? Does it? Does it? Is it? Is it worthy of analysis? Does it do more than just simply? Uh, drive you on to the next set of monster closets i think in the
1: first one it is um the sequel's a different matter but in the first one i think the story is strong um mainly because of the way they play with isaac's character in the first one now isaac is silent in the yes. first game the
0: key difference silent protagonist in the first game and he's a he's a character in the second game
1: but that makes the twist in the end of um bioshock one uh that more effective because you, you are you mean, com-
0: the, you mean dead space
1: in yeah, dead said, space you yeah. actually
0: said Bioshock there
1: <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry easily <Sorry. laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God, okay, the twist at the end of dead space um mm. that uh it does actually come as a shock because um I think whenever you saw um, Isaac's wife, well, the first time I played it, whenever you saw Isaac's wife, I thought she was actually there. I thought that was an actual character I was interacting with. Of course, later on, it's revealed that this is all a hallucination that you've been deceived by your own mind. By the marker. By the marker. Yeah. Uh, And, um, I just, because Isaac never spoke and, uh, never really directly interacted with any of the other characters. You never got a sense that he might be unstable or being manipulated or controlled. So when that was finally revealed, I I was genuinely like, oh my God, really? Shit. <laughs> um, and um, I think that everything with the unitologist as well is really fascinating, um, especially Dr. Mercer, who I think a lot of people forget uh, when they look back at dead space the character who was um, manipulating with the necromorphs and made that that super one that follows you around for a bit i thought he was a really interesting character i don't think any of the story or characters in dead space are a match for something like bioshock which is kind of a close comparison in terms of atmosphere but it is still strong
0: Mm. and there's storytelling in the environments as well one of the other things about the uh, the first game it actually shares with Bioshock is that it's a, due to limitations in, in the engines is that you can only ever interact with people who are in another room through glass. Um, but again, for me, that actually added, I know it sounds crazy because it's, you know, it's not realistic or whatever, but the combination of Isaac being a silent protagonist and never actually being able to properly interact with other non-necromorphs, Meant that the game for me was more nightmarish. It was more like something out of a nightmare. In that you know you could never quite get close enough. You could never feel safe. And also you know for me the 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 Isaac Clark character in the, in the second game just is quite uninteresting. He's just he's just a dude. He's just an American guy. He doesn't have a lot of personality.
2: I've got to admit that I actually like that, as opposed to like having him become either super witty or super intelligent just a regular that- guy
0: yeah,
2: exactly yeah,
3: I, I, yeah true okay. but i i'm I'm, a, I'm not a fan of uh silent protagonist it doesn't make any sense to me why the character wouldn't be speaking um i have a problem with half-life for this very reason it's just the fact that gordon and i know that it's a running joke within the games themselves is the fact that he doesn't talk but it it i prefer too. For the very fact, and and, and re, with regards to his um, hallucin- uh, hallucination of his wife, um, mm. when I liked those um, conversations that he had with her in two, where he, was, he knew what she was, she kn- he knew she wasn't real. And I found that those, uh, especially as, the, as we'll get onto later, I found all that stuff far more interesting in two than I did in one. It was, it was yeah. bloody well done in one. I, I truly love both the games, but I actually don't like the silent side of it. I find it weird at times. Um, I disagree with you um,
1: for one reason, is that I feel like having the talking protagonist um, is a barrier to the atmosphere and tension that those games are trying to create. Yeah, um, it is
0: for me, but it's obviously a subjective mm-hmm. thing.
1: Yeah, it's a case by case basis. If if it's something like Red Dead Redemption or uh, Uncharted, then I want a speaking uh, protagonist because those games are about the interplay between characters. Yeah. Whereas with um, Half Life and Dead Space, I like the silent and Bioshock. I like the silent protagonist because it makes me feel like I'm there. Exactly. i'm in that situation yeah. and,
0: and and uh and the uh the skyrim types of games of this world i uh like i i know well i think skyrim i know
3: we're going back on skyrim but skyrim is slightly <laughs> different because you do actually have the conversation choices which you know what that character in a sense is it, you are speaking you just don't hear yourself
0: speaking. yeah sure okay. um but yeah uh but i i do think it's something that you know it's something that you could we could discuss across any yeah. number of games that have either idea some people sort of naturally prefer the silent protagonist even though it may be sort of less realistic it's more immersive obviously Josh and I fall on that side and, and Jay as a as somebody who loves to be told a good story it kind of makes more sense that you I think that's like the- you might be onto something with that because in a way I, I don't whenever i play these
3: games it's almost like And I I hate this term, but an interactive movie. You know, it's like um, it's the same sort of experience as sitting and watching a good sci-fi yarn. You know, I'm I'm just letting those characters go off and do the things. The only difference with this is that I can control what the character does in terms of their actions, Mm. and I like the fact that the characters are interacting with each other vocally. You know, it just it just feels like I'm just watching this thing as it goes.
0: See, I would suggest that it was to do with. Our, uh, our, our relative ages, but it actually doesn't work out. I was thinking no. as in, you know, if it was me and you, Jay, that were saying that we preferred silent protagonists because we've been playing games since the days where games didn't even have mm. scripts, you know, let alone talking characters. Um, and Josh being a lot younger uh, always expects characters, but it's clearly not. It's clearly more of a, a consideration mm. as regards to, you know, our personal feelings of how we how we relate better to the game experience by you know how how yeah. we prefer being immersed Darren um so you, you you were happy with Isaac being this everyman which yeah I, I think you know if he had to have a if they had to make him a talking protagonist to progress the story which I, I guess is what they felt um I would rather he was an everyman than a yeah like a cool guy or he was suddenly yeah like wise cracking or anything like that he's he's a bit dull and that's okay but where do you stand on the, you know, which, which did you actually prefer?
2: It's a good question. To be honest, I enjoyed both approaches. Um, personally, I'd probably come down on the side of two, but neither of them felt out of place in the respective mm. games. They both mm. felt as though they had been designed with his silence or his uh, vocal abilities in mind. And just generally, either approach can work as long as you do it well.
0: Uh, now, Darren, you mentioned earlier uh we were talking about the gameplay, you can move and shoot. I mean, obviously, you know, it wasn't the first game that had that was third person move and shoot, but perhaps it was uh it was one of the first good attempts at doing a survival horror game where the uh your character could both move and shoot and it was still scary. And I was wondering, without getting into a big discussion about Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 5 came out three months after Dead Space and although it has definitely has its fans, definitely has its good qualities, uh, particularly in co-op, um, do you think the slightly muted reaction for Resident Evil 5 was because we'd had dead space and and it felt like these uh, these upstart US developers had actually kind of beaten the, the, the Japanese masters of survival horror at their own game?
2: Personally, I wouldn't say that was a huge uh, attribute towards Resident Evil 5 having a slightly muted response. I mean, that game had a lot of issues of its own, such as the first co-op that people just didn't uh, appreciate, like mm-hmm. uh, having the AI Sheva Alomar who mm-hmm. would uh, run around and use all your items and uh, waste your ammo. Um, but the,
0: the long-standing argument that Defenders, and, and I, I am myself one of uh, Resident Evil games, uh, as having these uh, tank controls and motionless shooting, you could no longer really use the argument that, uh, well, it, it engenders that feeling of tension because you can't move and shoot. And, clear, you know, clearly, well, maybe maybe less so for you, Darren, but for most of us, Dead Space managed to be pretty fucking scary and tense, mm. even though you had pretty good swift movement um, while aiming. Uh, it was, you know, it's slower than actually walking or running about the place when you've
2: got your gun up. Well, that's but, the thing. I mean, the fact that it's, you're so slow while well, you're doing it, is a key yeah. reason why it's still tense when you're in an encounter. Yeah. If you were able to just zip around the arena at full speed, unloading any bullets you wanted, it, it would be take that or Exactly, yeah. it would take all the tension out, and it wouldn't. It would still technically be Survivor Horror, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as effective in that uh, in that regard.
0: I think, um, yeah, they, it's uh, it's interesting that he hasn't got a dodge or a roll. You know, he's not meant to be an action hero. He is meant mm. to be a an engineer, a mechanic, if you will. Um, and uh, reading about the development apparently he was actually sped up from his initial pace um by up, up to a, a third um where early play tests suggested that people found it the game felt clunky and sticky and unresponsive when in fact he was he just isaac just walked slower but as it was they they were quite able to uh speed him up and yet still keep the game tense perhaps i don't know perhaps they also sped up some of the necromorph attacks many of which do really Rush you, yeah, especially yeah. in the uh, the zero g sections where you don't know. Where I mean, the, the,
3: from. there's endless differences between Res E5 and and Dead Space, but you know, I enjoyed both, I enjoyed Resident Evil 5. Um, but it's if I had to choose hands down Dead Space over that game without any, any hesitation whatsoever, um, I think both in its narrative, which to me, is the biggest problem I have with Resi Five. It's a pile of crap when it comes to the story. It makes it's just Ooh, ridiculous. Yes. It's just stupid. It's far to too honest. straight
2: list as well. Like there was actually humor on the fourth.
3: Yeah, and I think it's just you know they they nail atmosphere, and I, I, it it's a weird thing because I remember playing the very first Resident Evil, which is hardly like you know um, what you could you know it was back in the day with hammy voiceovers and and diabolical story, but what it had was atmosphere. There was a sense that every corner the first time you play it, constantly on edge thinking what's here. And because you had the fixed camera thing, it helped create this atmosphere. Dead Space has that. You know, I would often find myself inching down corridors because the first time just in case there was something there, I'm just waiting for something to pop up because I don't want to start firing blind and losing all my ammunition on stuff that it doesn't
0: need to be wasted on, you know. I remember one of the criticisms and and it is something that I can uh get alongside at the time was uh I remember it's pointed out in uh zero punctuation ben Croshaw's review which is that there are points where um particularly in the sort of the 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 open arena sections that you can get attacked by things that you've never seen or you can miss because it has these kind of uh sort of on the fly triggered moments um if you're looking in the wrong direction, you can miss them. Um, I guess, you know, it's, I, I don't mind that so much, but I, I did have the, if I was going to be ultra picky about the gameplay, it would be those bits where, particularly in the the, the, the airless sections, where the, the sound is, I mean, the sound is brilliant in those sections, but it's it's compromised and it is possible to be being shot by uh, off-screen nasties from almost literally any angle, from anywhere in the entire in a large arena, and it can take a while for you to ascertain, you know, where they are and what's shooting at you. And, but did you and really think
3: that that felt unfair? Because it actually felt plausible within that. Because you're in a soundless environment, you wouldn't
0: be able to use audio. Oh, yeah, stuff. it's entirely plausible. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's fun or good gameplay. Um, losing health when you haven't been kind of maybe fairly given the opportunity to know what's going on. You know, I realise yeah. that the game, what the game doesn't do compared to a lot of games is a lot of games would kind of zoom the camera from where you are to where things are happening, mm. you know, to, to to do that thing where it will zoom down a corridor ahead of you and watch something bursting out of a vent, or whatever, and then zoom back to the character to give you that, um, it's something shadows of the dam that we talked about last week does. It will give you, uh, that way of establishing your, hmm. your relative positions, your geography. Um, and sometimes, particularly in those compromised audio sections, the, the, you would not even have the audio cue would be there, but it would be so muted that if you weren't, hmm. you know, fully concentrating, you know, I, I, I can totally see the argument that some would say, well, it's, it's fair and it's, it's for the atmosphere, but the, the gameplay purist in me says it's not entirely fair on the player. I mean, I often found, I
3: mean, uh, that said, I always play these games initially on easy anyway. So, (laughs) you know, I, I, in terms of, I never really struggled with the combat on any points because of that. But I often Mm. found that when you were against those, I guess the kind of uh, baby throwing spike, you know, those tentacled babies, they wouldn't
0: hit you straight away. You would see their sort of little projectiles coming in with their stream. I think, I think my main issue, and like, you know, I don't think it, it rarely if ever killed me. Nah. But I think there were a couple of points where because of the, the viewpoint being over the shoulder, there were points where those um the ones that effectively crawl and don't have legs, they've got a kind of yeah. tail. They were actually right up on me, two of them at my feet and I could literally couldn't see them. And so I was taking like double doses of damage from these things that I hadn't actually you know, I had no idea. And I was scanning like Long distance around a room for looking for those lurkers who were shooting at me. In fact, it was these monsters at my feet chewing at my ankles, which, you know, um, because of the sound was so compromised, you you couldn't, I couldn't tell easily. Whereas, uh, you know, in the real situation, you'd know where that pain was coming from, kind of thing. But yeah, mm. not not a major concern. Certainly not. Certainly not enough to put me off the game. So heading towards Dead Space Two, then I suppose we should revisit the uh, the, the nature of. How the, how the story pans out. I'm one of those people, as I may have said before, who when I'm playing these games, I don't tend to follow the story very well. Um, I kind of, with hindsight, I, re- I knew more than I thought I did, but I've forgotten as much as I've, I can remember. So,
3: Well, they, they don't give away too much on the first game, do they? they you, you get, you know, you, you, there's a lot of, I won't say there's a lot of exposition either with the unitologist religion. You know there's some kind of conspiracy Going on with their sort of hierarchy within their organisation, that 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 whatever you want to call it.
0: There's audio logs, of course, for for those who are interested in what's going on, which mm. are optional, and the video ones, which are I, I, I absolutely option. adored getting because I thought they looked fantastic on the in mm. the game. Yeah, it was another game. Obviously, we we talked about Eco the other week. Uh, it's another game that followed that path of having very very little on screen information, no heads up display as such um when you do bring a, a hud onto the screen it's isaac's hud as in it's not it's not the player's screen it's it's his screen um and again in the particularly in the first game i actually found that helped with the immersion um but yes so uh really um the story i suppose seem I, I suppose the point is that for a long time, the story seems like you know effectively you're you're saving the people from themselves and by you know destroying the marker but then towards the end and, and the twist at the end you mentioned Josh, it becomes a more personal story
1: well i I kind of went into it before i it just um i just to say it just um you suddenly realize that um isaac's being manipulated by the marker and that kind of um Moving on to Dead Space 2, that kind of uh, sets up the plot for that game, where uh, you really get to the, see the effects of the marker on Isaac as a character. Um, but um, and it also demonstrates that maybe these uh, uh, structures are not just um, you know big mechanical machines; they're just they could be sentient. They have thoughts and uh, and they're uh, planning and you know, trying to, uh, manipulate people. But, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the idea is that this religion was, uh, s- well, unitology was set up by this man, but apparently, uh, according to the recent, uh, novel, um, dead space, uh, martyr, uh, he, he did not mean it to uh, go this way. Um, I haven't read this novel. This is what I'm extrapolating from bits I've picked mm. out. And in fact, he was assassinated, um, and the religion was corrupted, um, so people believe people in this cult believe that the, the, the marker will bring uh, kind of oneness unification with humans and the universe and their understand their purpose and, and all those you know things that we endlessly strive for. But in fact, uh, it turns out it's not an ancient spiritual device. It's a, it's a man-made thing designed to fuck people yeah. up. And as in the aliens uh, movies, the, the government and various corporations want want it to use for what we would think would be evil purposes. With regards to the first game, it's actually quite confusing at times because Mm.
3: there's the conspiracy with the whoever's running the unitology religion. Yeah. You find um, allusions to that through the various audio logs, through the captain's log, all that kind of stuff. There's Kendra who is for, for, well, for, most of the game appears to be on your side, then turns tail and you find out she's actually working for the government, but not necessarily the Unitology religion. So yeah. there's, there's obviously, you get the impression that there's different factions. The problem that I have with the first game, and this is where I get confused, is it almost feels like the first game is designed to be a complete thing um, at one point because you've got the big hive mind creature, which you assume that the marker is there to control that. But then... By the second game, it seems to have been changed slightly and the market actually has um, wider implications and, and other you know, reasons of, of its existence. And then it starts to sort of spread out. I wouldn't say that it's a killer. I mean, in, in terms of it doesn't get that...
0: It's a fairly standard contrivance to engineer a sequel for a yeah. series that wasn't yeah. necessarily guaranteed to get one while it was being written in the first place. But I do think that these games do stand out Within this
3: generation of having a hell of a lot more effort put into the history, that as as with any good story, you know, they haven't just written this thing and, and not thought about the universe that is is it's part of. There's there's the sense that they've kind of worked out all the the hierarchies, the structures, and the governments, and what's happened to the earth, and why this religion took over. All that stuff's but sort of been blueprinted up. And you do get the impression from that through both games, well, through all the various sort of aspects of of the storytelling stuff within the within the Dead Space franchise.
0: So, as well as in the games, as you say, the story has been told throughout a number of other uh, media. Well, there's also there's the prequel, Dead Space Extraction, which was a, a Wii game and was converted to the PS3 and HD. For the release with Dead Space 2, there was the XBLA and PSN download, Ignition, which uh, apparently tells a bit more story. Um, I don't know if the iOS game tells a different part of the story or whether it's just a, a conversion that tells the same area of story. Um, we had, we've had we had two, well, movies, for want of a better phrase. They're not live action, are they? But no. um, There was Downfall in 2008 and Aftermath in 2011. Two comics. Simply Dead Space in 2008 and Salvage in 2010 and the book, the novel that I mentioned about the history of, apparently the history of Unitology and maybe other things, 2010. Uh, so apparently between us, um, we haven't got a huge amount of experience of, of all this stuff. But um, Jay, you did dive into the original film and comic. Yeah. What did you make of those?
3: I Well, as I said at the start, the the, the comic was sort of instrumental in me paying attention to the game in the first place. Um, I was, f- you know, I like the artwork um, and yeah, it works. It, it's basically setting up um, what happens at the mining colony on the asteroid. Um, sorry, not on the asteroid, on the planet that the infection first starts coincides with the um, story of his extraction. So they're sort of set at the yeah. about the same time. Um, Downfall is set on the Ishimura, and that basically everything that happens prior to the events in Dead Space. When literally as that film ends, you see the um, the Kellyan coming in to uh, okay right at what, the end. Um, it,
0: what actual what form does it take? Is it cartoon animation, CG, or well, the first film is is cell animation with a bit of C, CGI
3: sort of just enhancements, but the um, oh, okay. That film worked really well. Um, it For anybody who's a fan of the Batman, sort of the modern, more, relatively modern Batman animation, it's the same teams that worked on, on those things. You know, you've got the same sort of character look with their sort of very angular faces and and stuff. But it's, it really worked. It did a good job of just enhancing and building up the story that then you, you go into Dead Space with. And by going into the game after watching these things, you kind of it doesn't ruin the game it doesn't you don't have to have seen this stuff but there's mm. you know as you're going through the ship you'll pick up an audio log by from one of the characters that's in the animation so you think ah oh, yeah that's that guy you know and then you'll see you'll see on the video logs uh, some of the events that happen in downfall so it just helped just bulk up and enhance all that kind of the story stuff. Well, you know, the, 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 the unitology religion, you got a sense from the animation that it was something sinister behind it as well, you know. The sequel, the second film, um, Aftermath, was uh, an absolute pile of crap. Um,
0: oh, really? Absolute horrible, horrible animation. I so mean, would I have thought I, they would have had, you know, more money and, and backing to do it better this well, time rather than worse
3: it's a strange thing with that. I mean, I think this stuff really works as, as a marketing tool. I think it it makes better than just putting, you know, a lot of money into, um, TV advertisements. I think this stuff's more interesting to do it that way, but the sequel, uh, the the second film is is disgraceful animation. Hmm. The the story was fine. If you just took everything that was going on, it, it didn't necessarily add to the way that, um, the first one did, but the second one, um, it's worth... just avoid it. It's
0: garbage.
2: It sounds a lot like Ignition, which was also ugly as sin.
0: What can you tell us about Ignition, Darren?
2: Well, I mean, I downloaded it just mainly for the additional story that unlocks in Dead Space 2, because yeah. you get more audio logs that's left from one oh, of the main right, characters yeah. in Ignition, and you also get access to a hacker suit. So I was quite interested to see what those were. Um, Ignition, as I've said, it's really ugly. It's a motion comic with an art and mm-hmm. voiceover. And it's the, it's just a collection of minigames that really goes nowhere. Mm. Um, I never ended up finishing it. I just turned it off after about half an hour. Oh, so did, did
0: you do you automatically, just for owning it, get the unlocks in the main game then?
2: I believe you get them either as soon as you finish the first minigame or even as early as soon as you turn it on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent, okay. So it's effectively DLC for the yeah, main game. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. the Hacker
2: Suit's quite cool. Um... The audio logs are incredibly disappointing. It's basically mm. just the main guy saying, okay, I'm getting close to Isaac three times, and that's it. Just taking off a tangent here. The uh, the puzzles
0: in both games, um, any noteworthy ones? Is, uh, are, the, are the puzzles there purely to break up the shooting? or Because uh, for me, I actually think that um, some of the environmental manipulation, actually having to use... Uh, Stasis and telekinesis to solve puzzles makes them a little more interesting than you know slot keycard into keycard yeah. reader things like Personally,
2: that. I think I think the puzzles in the games are they're reasonably well done. I mean they're not that in depth, but the offshoot of they this tend is to that
0: is they tend to take space in the one room. There's, there's apart from the odd carrying a battery about there's there's nothing spread further afield than a, a couple of areas, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of things to like uh, change the pacing a little bit. I mean, they won't yeah, exactly. stop you. And the offshoot of that is that you won't get to a, a puzzle and then be like, what the hell am I doing here? I won't be killing enemies, and uh, the, this goddamn door isn't unlocking.
0: And it'll often uh, throw enemies at you during a puzzle as well, unlike a lot of games. Again, you're not guaranteed that you're in a, a safe zone. A lot of the time you are, but not. You're not guaranteed, and that's crucial. So, yeah, we're kind of on to Dead Space 2. So EA, uh, Redwood Shaw are by now called Visceral, and uh, Wright Bagwell takes over as creative director, so it does have a different creative director. Uh, Released January 2011, and instead of selling 2 million copies in most of its lifetime, it sold 2 million copies in its first week, Um, thanks to, I guess, uh, the first game being a, a sleeper hit. Pretty much everyone who liked the first game, I guess, rushed out and bought. The sequel. So uh, I th- for me, it's, it's a very good sequel, and um, I definitely enjoyed it, but it's, uh, it's a pretty safe sequel. I mean, it really doesn't do much different at all. You know, the hacking minigame has changed. You've got the talk you. Obviously, the vocal protagonist is a large change, but I'm talking about gameplay. Um, it doesn't really bring much new in, a few new enemy types. Um, perhaps some of the most striking enemies in, in any of the Dead Space games, The uh, both the creepy children and exploding babies, um, as well as one of my favourite enemies in any game, the stalkers, the bird-like uh, creatures, which, um, I, I mean, what, what they were supposed to be before, what they're necromorphs of, I have no idea. Mm. But who cares? They're really fucking cool and they make fantastic noises. But other than that, what sort of... Some Perhaps some bigger set pieces and things like that. You know, the, this piece where you're flying between train carriages in space. Yeah, I think you've like got... That.
3: You're just generally given a little bit more freedom within stuff. I mean, there was a...
0: Yeah, it's set in a, a larger place, although the game's not longer as such. No. Uh,
2: yeah, it's certainly a lot more linear than the Shimura was in the first game. Um, and I think that allows them to basically pace it a little better because you're not actually... You're not doing it at your own pace to degree because there's nowhere to explore. You're not going to get lost. Um, uh, th- I never really th-
0: noticed that it's more linear. of, In my head, it's less linear because it takes place in this space station called The Sprawl. And the environments are a lot more varied. You've got a lot more sort of storytelling in the environments. You've got the, the school and the, the shopping mall and all this stuff. So it feels like you're on more of a journey, but you've analysed this as a player of both games and you're on less of a journey, in fact.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, although the you go to a lot more places in the, in the Sprawl and the sequel, um, at the same time, you are being funneled down a very direct path. So there's more variety, but I do think it's a more linear experience, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It allows them to show you what they want to show you as you progress through the game. You won't mm. get lost, you won't get uh, distracted, and there are small little secrets that you can find here and there, especially in... Uh, reference to items and uh, money.
0: Yeah, and it's not like the first game was a free-roamer, was it? I mean, practically. No, exactly. I I, I thought the first game was
3: quite linear. I mean, literally, you enter a level, and you'll go around in a circle, and end up back where you
2: started. (laughs) Um, I think that's maybe where I was uh, being slightly unclear. The thing is, like, you do kind of explore the same areas a lot of times in the original. Mm. You know, you, you will get familiar with a lot of the environments, whereas you don't really revisit a lot of places in the sequel no apart from uh apart from like uh, the apartment blocks near the start in the middle of the game
1: i think dead space 2 does a better job of taking you from place to place as well Mm. with dead space one you had the contrivance of the uh tram system that would take you to the next event and uh dead space 2 does a good job of going okay um Right, there's this set piece which leads directly into this Mm. set piece and it keeps the flow going. It doesn't
2: ever stop and start, it just keeps going. Yeah,
0: the chapter headings just fade in, don't they? Just not necessarily when you're expecting them.
2: There's always a reason why you're being forced onwards, you know. It's like, Isaac, you've just blown up the space station, you're not going back there.
0: One of the interesting places you do get to go and see uh, is the Church of Unitology aboard the the Sprawl, um, one of many throughout the colonised... Solar system, I suppose, uh, or, I don't know, galaxy? I'm not sure how far unitology is spread. Um, but there are, uh, in in the traditional fashion, some uh, listening posts. You can actually learn the history of unit- unitology in a fairly sort of... Um, obvious less oblique fashion than picking up audio logs and text logs you can actually uh, and obviously it's there it's the unitologist take so you you take everything with a pinch of salt but um, there's also various uh, signs up which have audio which uh, lead you into the various areas of the unitologist church Um, and there's uh, they're nicely done they manage to be nicely sinister and then after you've spent some time in the Unitologist church, you get to go behind the scenes, and that's where you learn, start to learn a, a lot more about the, the sinister side of Unitology, the brainwashing, and uh, you get to see all these uh, statues kind of under wraps where they're marching out these icons to various places, man- mass manufacturing uh, this religion effectively to, to make money and, and uh, zombie like followers. Mm. I like that one. I really didn't like that okay I didn't like that because, um in the
1: first game, you got the sense, okay there's this religion of unitologists, but it felt much more like they were misguided and maybe slightly ignorant of um the implications of what they were getting involved with in the second game, it made them out to be quite evil and sinister, mm. and it felt a bit it it felt subtle in the first game where it felt a bit ham-fisted in the second game. It felt like, okay, right, these guys are evil, evil, I tell you. And I didn't like well, it. But I
0: suppose if you're going to, you know, obviously they brought in this, this satire of Scientology in the first game. I think if you if you bring that idea in, you, you have to pursue it. You have to go down that road. Um, you can't assume that necessarily everybody who's playing knows all about scientology um when you're effectively lampooning it or or you know perhaps perhaps it's a bit stronger than lampoon in in dead space um, throughout the whole series there's been you you've kind of always got
3: the impression there's somebody that or something sort of guiding this thing knowing full well what the the implications are but willing to you know Willing to go to those lengths, and and it's just as as you know as the story progresses, he's getting closer and closer
0: to that. So that you're starting to see the real horror behind it all. I just hope that they continue to explore it within the main games in the series, mm. and uh you know if if and when there is a Dead Space three, we'll have a little speculate about that later. That the story will be self-contained within that game and you won't need to read the novel and the comics and watch the movies and, and all that thing to get the most out of it. As we have seen with Gears of War, Halo Reach, things like this, where the expanded universe, the, the extra multimedia stuff, the fiction, the websites, the interactive comics, blah, 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 blah. You need to have indulged in all this stuff and, and invested yourself in it just to get the most out of the game when, you know, um, as, as Josh says, uh, perhaps it should be within the game.
3: I, I agree with that. I think that stuff should only ever enhance the experience, but it should never be absolute that you have to have read this or you have Mandatory, to watch this. Yeah, yeah because yeah. that
0: that, that it will kill the experience. So uh, this also has a um, a new game plus uh, as a first game game. Um, Which, now, am I right in... Can you change
2: difficulty between rounds on this one? You can change difficulty at any time.
0: Uh, Right, okay, uh, uh, at any time. But there is a particularly uh, cool achievement in Dead Space 2. Uh, Now, the first game had what was called Impossible Mode, but it wasn't impossible because you could do it with your fully powered-up Isaac, is that right?
2: That's true, I believe.
0: Yeah, so, but in this game... There's a mode where you have to play it from the start in hardcore mode. You can never change the difficulty. And in this mode, so your super hardcore criteria are no checkpoints, uh, and obviously everything's on hardest difficulty settings anyway. You've got the least health. The monsters do the most damage. and It's not actually the hardest one. Oh, is it not? Okay. That would be too much. It's
2: survival, I believe it is. Survivalist. It's a second one down normally. Okay. Okay.
0: so uh, But it's still, uh, it's still tough enough, and it's three saves only throughout the entire uh, length of the game. Uh, and you've done this, Darren?
2: Yes, I have. It's a fantastic mood. I loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Carl, who was going to be on the show but couldn't make
2: it... He's also done it, yes.
0: He's also done it, and he said it was the best Dead Space experience.
2: It really is. I mean, it's not for everyone, because since you've got three saves over a 12-, 13-hour game... Yeah. You've got to dedicate fairly significant chunks of your day to mm. actually make any progress. And you've got to be cognizant of the fact that one slip up, one guy with a bomb gets too close, and everything you've done in the past three hours will get wiped off the face of the earth. So it's it's
0: not so much uh, dead space as demon souls in that regard. Again, like back to that thing we were talking about earlier, Darren isn't somebody who gets particularly... You know, put the the willies up in by these games. Now, I I am, as I say, to a point, perhaps not as much as Josh. Obviously, we can't measure these things very easily, but mm. uh, but the combination of the anxiety of the 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 audio visual side of things and and the, you know, generally playing Dead Space and being in that mode, combined with the idea that yeah, your your uh, your progress could be undone, which is something I find painful at the best of times I think for yeah for me just too terrifying but that said I can totally see the merit in going for it and if you know if if you are made of stern stuff strong-hearted and you know venom for blood or something um
2: the thing is I mean you won't find that tension in the original game Uh, just playing it normally with checkpoints everywhere yeah you won't feel that tension that just you'll be creeping down corridors and you'll be checking every single angle, yeah, and if someone gets past, mm. you absolutely cream yourself right it's right. it's not not a fear, just like there's a nervousness that gets heavier, the further you get into it without saving, and of the course. saves are your choice. you can do it wherever you want, yeah, but if you use one, mm. you don't have it's constantly going down: That's interesting. you don't have infinite saves, no yeah I mean if you were stupid, you could use the first three save points yeah yeah yeah, and then try and finish the entire game and that would
0: be done you know I guess it's, uh, it's, it's worth trying this mode after you're fairly familiar with the layout of the levels and the game and sort of how many save points there are and how many hours in you know or which save point is just before a sticky bit and things like that so did, is that how you did it or did you just pretty much kind of Play four hours and then save?
2: Well, I mean, the thing is you can't actually choose that off the bat, from what I remember. You've got to play it through on any difficulty you like. Yeah. I mean, I played Zealot, which was, um, basically, if you get hit twice, you're dead. It's a little more lenient than hardcore, Okay. just to yeah. kind of counterbalance the fact that uh, you're losing a lot of time if you die. It's not
0: that hardcore then, really. I think it should have been at the top difficulty as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could have lived with that, you know. And it would have been a nightmare, but... <laughs> you psychopath. You're mess. absolute yeah, I mean, there was one fantastic moment. You know those guys with the, the glowing bomb arms? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, was an a cool amazing, well. there was an amazing section in my hardcore playthrough where I stasis to one of that guys who had blocked me into a corner and I got to see him hitting me in slow motion after I hadn't saved in the past two hours. Oh, no. The and next what? thing is, I barely survived it.
0: I was going to say, did you have enough health?
2: It became a great moment and it could have been just the worst moment possible, you
0: know? Ah, oh, geez. Yeah. There's some, there's some great sort of setups against the player in the, in the second game. i Play, uh, playing it again for a few hours this afternoon. As I say, I hadn't played it since I completed it. Really. I'm playing on survivalist on, on playthrough number two and, uh, with a fully powered up plasma cutter and, uh, remembering things, there are a few things that weren't in the first game, such as the ability to blow out certain windows and suddenly everything gets uh, sucked towards the vacuum of space, things like that. Very cool moments. The first game did have some of those uh, sort of set piece monsters, like things that could grab you in a corridor and you'd have to shoot their glowing point to be released. And in fact, a couple of friends of mine uh, actually got stuck in the game um, where they'd only kept one save and got, grabbed in one of those sections and literally didn't have any ammo with which to free themselves and that was uh there. you know game over nowhere to go back no nowhere to get any ammo no money to get any there was actually a an, a, a total fail state possible in dead space one if if you weren't careful which is uh, an unusual thing in this day and age i noticed today that one of the sections where you're grabbed by a large monster that then you're sort of held upside down and you have to shoot its glowing points to be released. Um while things are coming towards you they're they're dropping uh they're dropping plasma shots to give you you can rope them in and collect them which will give you that opportunity to continue. So this was obviously something that they were told about from the first game that there was an impossible a potential impasse. Anyone else have any sort of good stories from Dead Space that they remember? Uh any sort of experiences what what's your sort of overall memory of the game or games
1: i i personally think what dead space and dead space 2 better than any other game and i i mean literally any other game i don't think any mm. series has managed this better than dead space is the feeling of actually being in space um the way they combine mm. sound design and visuals to make you feel like you are in a dangerous and alien environment. The way that the only sound you can hear is like the muffled vibrations within your own suit. So rather than like, say, you're hearing the gunfire of your gun going off, you feel like the... um the vibration of it hitting against your chest and um, when you don't hear your footsteps you just hear the vibration going through your suit and you don't hear any of the enemies coming up towards you, you don't hear their shrieks and you don't hear when meteors crash against the ships hull and mm. stuff like that it's mm. really unsettling and it makes you feel like you are in constant danger and I I love it. I love it. As a sci-fi fan who's watched so many films where they all have sound in space, they all have like lasers mm-hmm. and blasters going off, it's so great to play something where it it depicts space for what it is, and it's silent. <laughs> I know this is kind of funny, but silent but deadly. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> full it's really full of, great.
3: Full of monsters. In terms of sound design, I think they are up there with the best of them, I mean, if not the best of them. I can't think of many games that have such polish to the work, that, you know, to, the, to the audio as these do. Um, they are about my favourite with, with regards to the, their sound design. Not necessarily the score, because the score is kind of forgettable on many levels. I can't remember any of the music apart from the nursery rhyme, but the, the actual sort of use of audio in the game is, is unsurpassed.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it really is exceptionally good. Um, and, and, yeah, it's so important, as, you know, as we've discussed before. Mm. It's an underrated thing, uh, sound design, sound effects. You know, people talk about music a lot, and that's great. And that used to be an underappreciated facet of games, and perhaps it isn't now. But people still undervalue the quality of good audio design, I think. And mm. um, Dead Space, yeah, absolutely nails it. I think, you know, the it just we you know we talked talking about shadows at the dam last week and that has that has some excellent sounds some music and um and it's oppressive but the mo- those moments when the, uh, the 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 gang of creepy children are running at you and they're actually squealing mm. like children as you shoot them is really affecting and really you know spine chilling kind of thing um, and, yeah, there's lots of use of sort of juxtaposition of sound, so there'll be like a, mm. a jingle of a shop front at the same time as, you know, something awful and sinister's happening. If we were going to be critical then, uh, I mentioned earlier that it, yeah, Dead Space 2 is, is a kind of safe sequel. Um, is mm. it is the whole thing perhaps a little too derivative? Uh, with regards to what? The whole thing. The setting, the story, the sound. Is it not just... Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate slightly here, but no, yeah. it is, is it, you know, it's so much an, an homage to a bunch of other games and movies. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is people often, uh, one of the films that seems to get cited a lot with this
3: is Her- Event Horizon, but Event Horizon is derivative as fuck in itself. You know, absolutely, it's the yeah. fucking shining. It's just, you know, it's just, yeah. And, and it's a Paul
0: W. S. Anderson
3: film, which don't get me fucking started on. A great him.
2: mark of quarter that.
0: It's, it's clearly it's clearly his best one by some distance, though. Even though it's only you know it's only all right, but uh, it it manages to be mildly effective.
2: I think the main thing here is that um, even though Dead Space is derivative of all these you know movies and all the rest of it, there isn't much games that play like it no. or feel like it. You know, it's as far as the actual medium of games, uh, video gaming goes. You don't really have a lot of choice for a game like this, and I think that even though it's derivative, that's, that makes it not a problem because it's not going up against other titles of the same ilk. It, it's mm. a work
1: of excellent craftsmanship. It's not innovating mm. and it's not showing you anything you haven't seen before. It's just doing it at a level of excellence that's beyond most developers.
3: And I think mm. it's worthy of praise for doing that. Yeah, I, I actually agree. <laughs> I think if I had one criticism, and this is really uh, my only criticism of the game, is that bloody unkillable enemy at the end. <laughs> I was
0: going to bring that up. Yeah, out.
2: that came completely out of left field that in the, the such sequel.
0: such a terrible misstep of game design that, that it ruins, ruins the end of the second game for me, pretty much.
2: The thing is, I mean, the end of the second game kind of felt as if they had run out of ideas or budget. Um, because the amount of set pieces that you got had been drastically scaled back for a, a short while leading up to it. yeah. And then it's just a room full of monsters, a room full of monsters, a room full of monsters. And I love the combat in Dead Space. It wasn't a problem for me, but a lot of people that played through the ending said that it wasn't as imaginative, it wasn't as well done as the rest of the game, which had really been a stellar effort up to that part.
0: Yeah, I,
3: I would it's, agree with that. It's a weird thing. The only thing I because the first game had this creature in there, and for those who may not have played it, it's basically it can regenerate itself. So you can take its limbs off, but it will revive. It will just basically heal itself and come back at you. Now, in the first game, you had this, but there was a way to kill it, it and I think that it was all, a combat puzzle in the first game, which yeah, was a great exactly. Thing. And I think that's all that this one needed is because you don't ever kill this thing; it's still there. No. So why? Why does he all of a sudden just stop chasing it's you? It's know? just there
0: just to drive you to the end of the game and yeah, not exactly, notice the yeah. fact that there's not much to do in the last chapter yeah. of the game. That was actually
2: <laughs> a giant propeller that you can shove it into yeah, to kill
0: it. I did that. I managed to shove him in and yeah. kill
2: him. It's like in a little hidden side room. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cop out considering it's so hidden. Yeah. But it is possible to finish him off. Well, he doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. He's dead.
0: All right. So then you well, can, then go you can back just go back and fuck around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good to know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's also uh, not a game for people who uh, I'm somebody who I have a real problem with uh, the touching eyeballs. of Yes, I have a real problem with the touching of eyeballs. Um, can't Eye drops are a nightmare for me. Even certainly, the idea of contact lenses is is, is a non starter. And this this game has two uh, fantastic uh, eyeball related moments. One, um, one, one with a screwdriver interfacing with a with a woman's eyeball, quite in quite a surprising and brutal fashion. It has to be said. <clears> and uh, I tell you, she on. takes
2: that like a champ, though. You know, she, she does. doesn't She's seem to hold. She doesn't well, seem to hold it against We haven't
3: really, you. we haven't touched upon the characters at all. And I do want to talk
2: about them. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah,
3: because I found in the in at that point, or maybe we should inter- we should talk about the characters first because you during the course of the the game quite early on you meet another survivor going by the name of Ellie, mm. and I think the character work in this because you're all the time you're playing this you're constantly thinking whoever I side with they're going to turn tail on me they're going to yeah. they're going to they're going to they're going to screw me over at
0: some point in the game she's this game's double crossing bitch. Ella Langford. No, uh, she's
2: not. Anyway.
0: Um, I'm sorry, no, the, uh, the, the, sorry. That was dinner, Dana. Dana. dinner. Mm. Yeah. My apologies.
3: But it was all set up to you that way as well, wasn't it? It was set up with the first person who appears to help you, screws you over. Um, and then you meet this girl and uh, although she's very um, kind of aggressive towards you at the start and, and non trusting of you, you, you eventually sort of team up.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that the way that they got to know each other was done really well, mm. even though it's kind of insane that yeah. um, with the addition of Strauss, like mm-hmm. um, she's babysitting Strauss, who is also being held like Isaac was at the start of the game, because he has a connection with the marker. Yeah. And he's going well, mental. He's, he's going completely bad Yeah, Yeah, he's going gone insane. And Isaac's always like, OK, just don't touch him. We need him. And it gets to the point where he removes her eyeball with a screwdriver, and that's pretty and savage. It, and
0: waves it in your face, as I recall. Yeah, yeah well,
2: you you actually uh, uh, at the point
3: where you see him doing this, you see him attacking her on on a screen, don't you? And then it cuts out just as you you see him sort of plunge the the blade. down. that's right. And when you turn up, he's he's still clutching. Yeah, he's the still eyes. waving her eye about on the thing, and you assume she's dead. And at that point, I think in you know, damn, I you know, at that point, I was genuinely gutted that he killed her. And then, obviously, it's revealed that she isn't quite dead, although she's and quite she seriously... And she starts beating them with a pipe,
2: if I recall. <laughs> yeah. And that's ah. the thing. The, the fantastic thing is, she's shown the patience of a saint with this guy. Mm. And the first angry gesture towards Isaac ends up with the guy with a screwdriver through his skull. Mm. It's, it's just, it, I just found that really hypocritical that he says, we need a, him alive, up until the point that he turned <laughs> on Isaac. And then it was okay to kill him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even clock that at yeah, the Yeah, but he's
3: not exactly given a choice, is he? Because
0: he's trying to kill it himself, so it's yeah, kill but, or uh, be killed. Yeah, <laughs> but did
2: a good job with it, you know? like, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She lost her eye for nothing, though, in the end, really. Didn't she? Mm. Pretty much. And then she's completely fine with it. You know? Yeah. I mean, she says, like, you and me and I, you bastard. And then two minutes afterwards, she's cool. You, know, yeah. you don't
3: get it. This is the 25th century. When she says, you owe me an eye, it is literally, I'll go to the vending machine on the corner and get you a new one. That's probably but, you know, true. <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> it's do, just... do they actually make any jokes about her depth perception being effect- affected when she takes control of the ship? Uh, <laughs> no, <don't> really, believe <laughs> so. That would have been really excellent if, they'd actually, if, if Isaac had started gagging about the fact that she, uh, <laughs> she only had one eye. <laughs> Zinger. Zinger. Watch you don't crash that thing into the wall. Yeah. Yeah, the other, the other eye thing uh, is, is you get to operate on your own eye, <laughs> which is quite a cool minigame, and <laughs> with an excellent uh, one-off insta-death fail state. No, I actually, uh, that, that's, that section
3: was, I found that to be the most troubling section, not because of what it was showing, but in terms of getting the bloody thing right. I just kept first screwing time, that up time and time so again. I
2: did it first time. On hardcore, yeah. that bit is tense as hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, of course. It, it counts if you die, though. Oh, Doesn't my it? God. Well, of
3: course, yeah. But wouldn't that... you just save before? That would be your last save, wouldn't it? Just prior to that bit.
2: Yeah, yeah it's yeah. basically when Ellie takes off and the gunship was my last save.
3: Right.
0: God, that is brutal. Because, yeah, it, I, like, mm. I, did it, I, I honestly did it first time, but I don't think I actually fully understood. I think I did it because I didn't appreciate the consequences of going wrong so it was just yeah. like okay no 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 no, press the button off we go <laughs> but when i did it i did it again because somebody told me i think it was you darren told me about the death scene i thought right well i've got to have a look mm. at this so reload checkpoint or whatever and then oh okay right you yeah. know what
3: that, that's something we should talk about are the death scenes in dense games because they are by far a the most gruesome but
0: some of the most imaginative darren, and, and uh, you made a compilation video in fact I
2: did. Um, I've made two of them, one without music and one to the tune of (laughs) Scatman. Perfect backing music for it, I thought. The other thing is, I mean, it's four minutes or so of just some of the most gruesome, twisted and inventive methods of killing off your protagonist that I've ever seen. Mm. I mean, getting sucked outside uh, during the, like, you break a window and you start getting sucked towards it. Some of those death scenes are painful. Like <laughs> just getting his arms stuck in the, like in the shield, the blast shield doors, you know.
1: Yeah, it's crazy shit. Uh, one of my favourites is, um, you know, the little spindly like creatures, like the wormy things and the heads that have like wormy legs. Yeah. When they, I know this one. When the, uh, one of them leaps onto your face, cuts off your head, and then inserts its tentacles into your neck and takes over your body, um, and, and you become a <laughs> necromorph. That was a really cool death.
2: And the nice thing is, I mean, it's not got con- complete control of your body either. So you're kind of, it's like lurching away, and then the head, head almost falls off. <laughs> just the level of detail in these death scenes is staggeringly mm. well done, you know? Probably somebody's, uh, there's probably a small sub-team
0: just doing those for, like, you know, yeah. two years. And
2: it's, The thing is, it's these small touches that really make a game go from being good to great to special. Mm. Mm. It's all mm. fine needles.
3: I, I gotta say, one of my favourite things that came in with two is um, is Isaac's. Um, how, how can you put this? But um, enthusiastic stomping was improved. <laughs> <laughs> just, in the first game, you had yeah. In the first game, you could stomp uh, enemies if they were crawling on the floor. You could literally and boxes, just you know the same yeah way. keep. But if you keep doing this in two, he just gets madder and madder as he and he starts effing and blinding as he's saying it he's like fuck you fuck you (laughs) (laughs) it's
2: just the first time you're doing it it's just oh it's that that must be his one moment of stress life because he seems quite composed (laughs) for the rest of it so that's just his moment to really unwind you know yeah, see, I always think it's a bit fucked up because I tend to stomp
0: every corpse I come across just to make sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and either just to make sure it's not going to spring to life or that, uh, that it's not carrying uh, anything, um, even though I think most, most of the ones that are stashed in the game aren't. So um, we're running out of time for this Dead Space show, but just before we end, I would like to... Um, obviously, we're all very enthusiastic about the Dead Space games. I, th- I hope that's come across. Um, Dead Space 3... Uh, the, there's a strong rumour But it's not been confirmed I, As I understand it That it's going to take place on a frozen planet Of Tau Volantis um, Don't know if that's been denied Or, or whether it's still uh, rocking about But I wonder uh, Do each of us welcome the idea of a third game in a series Assuming it will be this generation as well mm. um, I would imagine It will be a, one of the late games on, on the current generation of machines And what do and don't we each want to see In Dead Space 3 Josh
1: um I want to see a sequel but I want to see a bigger jump from uh, Dead Space 2 to Dead Space 3 than we saw from Dead Space 1 to Dead Space 2 I want them mm. to try and introduce some original mechanics into the game and maybe uh maybe just vary up the lo- varying up the location will be enough to make the game interesting like they're talking about like a snowy landscape rather than the metal halls that we've gotten Mm. used to with these games. Um, I hope they try and tighten up the narrative. Um, I think Dead Space 2 was a lot weaker than Dead Space 1, mainly because I think it um, got a bit confused with where it was going and its fiction Mm -hmm. got tied in knots a bit. Um, But uh, I do look forward to a sequel. I just... uh, I hope they put more time into it than they did with uh,
3: Dead Space 2. I, I'm sold on a sequel, period. Um, whatever it is, whenever it comes out, I, w- I would definitely want to play it. Um, what, would, what don't I want to see? Mm. Multiplayer. Um,
0: uh, yeah. we, did, they we don't didn't need mention to put multiplayer. Yeah.
3: Well, we didn't mention it because it's not worth mentioning, to be honest. I mean, it died a death as quickly. I don't know anybody who put any time whatsoever It was always going this. to,
0: but apparently, yeah, of according to the developer... They were going to put a multiplayer in the first game, but they ran out of time. And
2: That's the thing, I mean, at the end of Dead Space 2, if they had that multiplayer-sized chunk of budget, I'm sure they could have come up with a more spectacular sender for the second game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to give the game longevity and a reason for people not to trade it in. And apparently it was
0: the most requested feature. Uh, after the first game, because people enjoyed the game so much, they wanted a multiplayer set in that world. But I think maybe sometimes but people would've... don't quite know what they're asking for.
2: Yeah. Mm. Would they not have been like requesting co op possibly? As opposed well, to Deathmatch,
0: Co-op would be interesting. Whether they could maintain the, the fear and tension, I don't know. But um, Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, did, they've did already it. dabbled with a co-op mode, on, although it wasn't one of these, with Extraction. I know it's not strictly co-op, is it? But you've got a two-player well, mode on that, which yeah. kind of worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's definitely less scary playing it Two-player. Um, I mean, extraction is is definitely worth investigating to anyone who likes the Dead Space games, or or and or who whoever enjoyed a, a light gun shooter. It works very mm. well and um, tells you a bit more story. Has some quite interesting um, sort of multi-ethnic and multi-regional characters uh, and some quite good little gimmicks as well, like the the glow light where you have to shake your controller to get it to light and stuff. I mean, it sounds like you mm. know nonsense waggle bollocks, but it actually works in context quite well.
2: Um, that's for me. I'd be quite happy to see a sequel. I don't think that this uh, series is out of steam or is even close to it as long as they continue, you know, just giving us the quality that uh, Dead Space 2 should. Um, the idea of it being on a nice planet actually sounds quite appealing to me. And I think it could actually be interesting if, just on a limited basis, because people don't want a co-op partner with you the whole game, But maybe just a little more interaction with either other Marines or particularly Ellie Langford if she's uh, coming back. Um,
0: I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely enjoy a Dead Space 3. Um, I saw recently, I I kind of, um, maybe I feel like I've to myself undervalued these games to a point. Um, in that uh, I played through Dead Space 1 in chunks uh, and even though I admired the elegance of its design things like the idiot button that shows you tells you where to go and all these very nice player centric features and the fact that the control's so tight and then I played the sequel and I was a little disappointed by the fact that Isaac Clarke was no longer a silent protagonist and it was you know it was so safe mechanically it was such a retread but Playing again, revisiting uh, makes me realize just how expertly and, as I say, immaculately put together these games are. There's, uh, apart from, you know, a couple of very, you know, that that misstep with the regenerating monster stands out like a sore thumb because it's a rare moment where the game's got it wrong. You know, most most of the bosses and sequences are are perfectly enjoyable and perfectly fair. There aren't these moments like you have in so many games where you go, oh, if it only wasn't for that penultimate boss that was absolutely shit, actually the last boss in Dead Space 2. Was uh, fairly shit, but um yeah, I would definitely play another one. I think Frozen Planet sounds like a sensible place to go um because it can be bleak. It can have echoes of the thing. Obviously, we've got the thing mm. prequel just coming out. Don't don't know if it's going to be any good. Probably not. Um, and yeah, like Josh says, maybe maybe try some new mechanics, some new weapons and stuff that are at least uh, still falling within the remit, perhaps of trying to make use of the things around you. But I think we're at the point now where Isaac's kind of a, you know, he may not have started out as a, as somebody who was handy with guns and stuff, but, but he is at that point. Um, and if they escalate the, the threat of the necromorph, they, they'll they probably have to escalate Isaac's arsenal and, and ability and propensity to use large scale weapons. But yeah. Um, yeah. I would just hope that the, the story you know, if if it's, people often talk about the, the third game in a series, we've seen a lot of them recently being the end of a cycle, the end of a trilogy. People assume that three is the last one. It probably won't be if it does, if it does 2 million in its first week again, but um, mm. I would like a satisfying resolution of some kind, at least to Isaac's story, even if it's another one like Mass Effect where, or Gears, where this is the end of Shepard or Marcus and this will be the end of Isaac, but you know, the, the world that Dead Space set in with Unitology and Markers and Necromorphs, that can, that can carry on to the next gen and look even more fucking amazing, probably. Right, uh, you can find our blog at canandrince.com. It's a little quiet on there at the moment, but things are in the works. Um, it's been quiet simply because everyone's been playing Skyrim, Saints Row the Third, Gears of War 3, Modern Warfare, Battlefield, blah, 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 blah. Um, We're hoping to get lots more new content up there in the new year once we've all calmed down a bit. Uh, We are part of the Character Select Network, speaking of which, on the next show Dan Benden from Ready Up will be joining us to talk about Bastion and Deus Ex Human Revolution. Two very different games, both from 2011 No there. Uh, You can join in the discussion about the Dead Space franchise or any of the other games we talked about or anything game-related at all at characterselect.net slash forum. You can follow us on Twitter at Caden Rince. You can email us if you like, CadenRince at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Caden Rince. I believe we're at 99 likes at this point. So if you haven't done that, go on, get us over 100. And as ever, your iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings are all very welcome indeed. We have had a couple of lovely reviews recently, which is really nice. So thank you very much to those people. All that remains is for me, Leon Cox, to thank Jason Taylor, Darren Foreman and Joshua Garrity for being on this week's Cane and Rinse. That was issue nine. And we'll see you next time for issue 10. Goodbye. (laughs)